So I had um. Oh, what? No, scratch that. Let's start with follow up. Let's reintroduce that. I'm tired of saying the word "so" every time I so, start to speak. So, so I need I need to consciously so. God, it, it's one of those words I need to consciously not think about not saying. Isn't it true that "so" is a conjunction? So if you're going to say, "I'm going to go to the store so we can eat," like that's fine. Yes. But if you, if you start out sentence and saying, "So I'm going to the store," you want to yeah. go with me? That's incorrect right and it's really annoying if you combine that with vocal fry and upspeak so i'm going to the store i'm just i'm just trying to be (laughs) conscious of my my wording the two things that i know have been big is so and um i need to be okay with silence yeah for some reason i finish talking and i I get this urge to fill the empty space with an um or like just to kind of give this audible i'm thinking here and then there's all the phrases too what are the ones that I always talk about that annoy me that I say that we both say. So, um, I don't know. There's just also just like things like at the, at the end of the day or repeating questions to buy yourself time. Right. That's one. Well, I wanted to start with some follow-up just uh, to talk about our experiment last week with having a guest on the show. Yeah, it was horrible, wasn't I? Yeah, it was terrible. Don't ever invite that guy on again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I thought it was really good. I'm, no, yeah, Shell did awesome. We were pretty unpre- unprepared, as we as is usually the case. That wasn't being unprepared. That was being spontaneous. That's this, that's this yeah, show that's is a good not spin about on it. this. This show is not about being prepared. This is about two guys having a conversation. Right there, you go. That was our our original intent. Still but, is. No, I thought it, that was fun. Um, it was uh, inf- very informative, I thought. I learned a lot about the MVP program. It was nice having a third voice. I, I didn't feel like I had to talk all the time. And I get tired of hearing you talk. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people get tired of hearing me talk. My my so's and my ums and whatever other quirks I have that I don't realize just yet. Right. No, that's what listening to your voice recorded will do for you. It'll drive you crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and we got a lot of feedback, just positive feedback about, uh, about Mr. Shell Black. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's well known in the community and very popular and yeah, the show, the show's doing pretty well in the numbers. We're going to have to figure out who we want on next. I mean, I don't want to do guests all the time, but you know, like an occasional thing I think is, is fun. Yeah, I think so. Some of these shows, whether they're TV shows or podcasts or radio shows, they, you know, it's their thing that they never have guests and they've never had a guest. And that's kind of cool, but, but it usually takes, you know, very talented and well-trained broadcast, you know, experts to be able to do that kind of stuff. And we don't fall into that category. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm a professional. Uh, yeah. Not, you know, you're professional at some things. Well, we can't claim professional because we don't have sponsors, so we're not, we're not paid. Yeah, isn't that's that, true. Isn't that the, the, yeah, that's the, the definition, level right? of measurement for being a professional at something. Right. If you get paid to do it, then you're a professional. And we sure as hell don't get paid to do this podcast. <laughs> it's free content to all those who want it. Yeah. Well, my my uh, my weekend got a little derailed. I was planning on writing some blog posts and doing some experiments and things was, like that. So this is the segment of the podcast where we talk about how John was going to do something with his blog but didn't. It's a weekly <laughs> thing. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm walking into school unprepared without my homework. Yeah. <laughs> My dog ate it. My dog ate my blog post. 
How do you like that? Yeah, there you go. My dog hit my USB stick. No, I got, I got distracted because our, our designer finally came through and presented us oh, with our final right. logo, our, our final version of the logo that we've been working on since January. So yeah, so for those of us who've been longtime listeners and know us well for our, our dude, the top hat with the monocle and the mustache, he's, he's being retired for... Um, or something that I yeah. hope is a little more professional looking and cooler and we killed him off and, and kept his hat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The hat the hat was the thing though. So I'm just looking through here. I was gonna see if my pod well, I, I went through and so what I did over the weekend is I went through and updated as much of the social media as I could, got all the pictures and everything updated. Um updated our website, gave it a little window dressing and everything so it's not so plain and boring. And uh, I'm still waiting for iTunes to update their their kind of image that they have. iTunes has not updated yet? No. From what I read, it could take up to 48 hours, so we'll see. And I might need, it might not even get notified of the change until we do this next post. You might not, you might not get notified until after we post. Oh, after we post. Right. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's, maybe that's when they update it. But I just looked at my podcatchers updated. Yeah, even, even my podcast app um, has the new, the new image, the new logo. So, so don't be alarmed. You'll yeah. see a nice I think it looks good. red it's, logo, uh, the nice hat with a little microphone in the center. Pretty cool. I yeah. like it. I do too. Good job, John. John and John's designer. <laughs> we'll leave him at that for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so news, news. It's it's kind of been a slow news week. We have some things to cover. We have some closure now that I think we can cover, but we'll get to that in a little bit on the whole Salesforce and you know, buyout thing. Just wanted to cover a few things that I found. Um, Sugar now has a uh, app exchange. Are you referring to Sugar CRM? Sugar CRM. Okay, they have an sugar. app exchange app. Yeah. Dun, 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 do you dun. think? Do you think at the Sugar conferences they'll be playing that Maroon Five Sugar song? I don't know. I was thinking of the old song. Which one? Uh, sugar. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah. See that that name's great because it's it's got a lot of music potential there. That's true. But anyways, yeah, they just announced a what they're calling Sugar Exchange. That's a original. <laughs> sugar to, Force. Sugar Force, there you go. <laughs> so yeah. many unique names in the Salesforce space, aren't there? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> so uh, really? So what is it? I didn't it's, see this. It's, it's just a listing. I mean, it's it's their answer to the Salesforce app exchange. So it is filled. I did go to the site and I did see kind of what their listings were. And I think what it is is they they basically took all the existing integrations and ISV partners that they have that work with CR, with uh, Sugar and created the listing for them. So now you have a place to go and look and find things that you need if you're using Sugar. Mm. But it's definitely not as big um, as the App Exchange is now. It kind of almost looks like the way the App Exchange looked when it first started. You know, kind of bare. You know, very really small categories. You know, easy to find things. That type of thing. Yeah, I remember that. I, I actually, I, I, I mean, easy to find things only because the App Exchange now is so big. Yeah. It's it's just hard to find things. You know how many apps are on the App Exchange? No. Yes. Uh, Three million. <laughs> <laughs> you don't by chance write for Forbes, do you? Well, no. They they hit three million downloads. Or was it that they hit no, three million? No, I'm I'm going to talk. There's a news article in Forbes, and it stated that they have three million applications. On Salesforce. Wow. I know. Good old journalism for you. Nice editing. Good job, guys. Good job, editing staff. 
um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, I've always thought sugar is kind of interesting. I don't know much about how you um, extend it or write apps for it. I think it's very JavaScript based, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't know anything about how that works or anything. I mean, from what I saw, there were mostly apps that were. They don't have the groundbreaking programming language like Apex. Yeah, it didn't seem like platform apps, like native apps. I could be wrong, though, because I really know very little about Sugar. But it, from the apps that were popular, at least the ones that the few that had, did have reviews, they were kind of integration things for marketing, you know, email, and all those kind of things. So. So moving on from that, uh, I found this interesting little tidbit. So apparently, um, IBM is developing software. You know, oh, they've kind the of lips, been developing. The lip smacking. That's what I do. And you just did it. Interrupted my words. I oh, know. I'm sorry. I just had to point it out so that you would realize. <laughs> that would be self-conscious throughout the whole thing. Oh, I do it all the time. Smacking. I hate it. Anyway, start. That's what the bell is for. I'm going to start dinging you. Well, <laughs> don't mind me. I'm just going to get the bell. Let's see how long you can go without saying so or smacking your lips. <laughs> uh, this is supposed to be enjoyable. Now I'm all nervous. That's Anyways, so IBM, you know how they've been kind of working on their whole artificial intelligence and everything like that. Well, now they want to develop a customer service application or program or service. I'm not sure exactly what to term it. Um, software. They can feel your pain. Okay. That's good. And so the idea behind this is it would be a a software that a piece of software that would run and um analyzed how you're interacting with the company whether either through email or through twitter or something like that and it'll kind of pick up on certain i guess idiosyncrasies in the way you type you know if you're using multiple exclamation marks or the way you say something about and try to determine how you feel how you're feeling at that point Sen in time sentiment analysis kind of so I guess if you're really mad and you're saying this sucks and you're, you just have like 10 question marks, it's going to pick up on that and maybe route it appropriately and give it a little more importance than someone that says, hey, hi. Right. <laughs> Which is interesting. I mean, we talk about customer service and Salesforce talks about being a customer company and, and you know, you know, being there for your customers, you know, being part of the conversation. That's why, that's why they have all these new social tools and everything with, you know, with Twitter and Facebook and all those kind of things. So that whenever your customers are on Twitter and saying, hey, I've got a problem or this sucks or whatever, you can be there to kind of address it. I guess the question is how much AI do those really have though, right? Like, you know, Radiant 6 and whatever these things, do they... No, they help you find mentions and deal with deal with activity around your brand, your brand. But how good are they at actually understanding those, you know, and giving them scores and weighting them and putting them in kind of categories yeah. of of sentiment? Well, I, I think I think that's the kind of new frontier that IBM's trying to pioneer here is is using. I guess uh, I guess we'll just call it artificial intelligence to kind of help make that type of decision. So it's doing the monitoring. It's trying to take a first pass at what you should be looking at. Yeah, and I know IBM is also, um, you know, they're big in the art or um, not artificial intelligence, but analytics. I guess business intelligence, and they're supposedly applying a lot of their what's the Watson right? Yeah, a lot Watson. of their AI stuff to their business intelligence. You know, they're on the high end of business intelligence, whereas like sales, you know, wave and, um, what's the other one? I just smacked my lips. Um, Tableau. Tableau, right. They're on, they're on the kind of the, you know, very much on usability. 
right. and, and simplicity. So I think IBM could really do some cool stuff, but it's uh, very high end. Right. It'd be interesting to see if, if Salesforce ends up trying to get into that type of market, trying to, trying to build that type of intelligence into their tools. If they want to stay, stay where they're at, which is kind of building usable tools, making them accessible. Um, and just kind of let other systems, third parties kind of handle that, that type of complexity. I mean, I definitely think that they're starting on the simplicity side and they're, they're all about, um, you know, democratizing. I hate people use that term this way, but I'm going to do it. You know, access to business intelligence and making it usable by, you know, normal people. Right. I'm not saying they won't go up the food chain a little bit, but definitely that's where they're, that's how they're going to get their start. Right. I thought that was interesting. And that's about as much as I know about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I got, I got this, I've been getting emails a lot from Salesforce lately and I just said, so ding yourself. Yeah. It's going to get really annoying. So, so I've been getting emails. I have been getting emails from Salesforce lately. This is a new thing. Well, see, this was just a kind of a notification that said, um, you said it again this is gonna be a horrible show because i'm so (laughs) self-conscious about my words now i'm just gonna hear myself say the wrong thing and i'm gonna stop leave it to me to make people feel uncomfortable that's what i'm good at you ruined it for me (laughs) all right get on with it you're getting emails been getting emails and and this latest email was about salesforce uh salesforce one the next update that's coming that is only going to be available for version eight of ios so in order to run the new Salesforce One update, you'll have to be on iOS 8. And you can still use the previous version. What about, an, what about an embedded HTML5 app requires iOS 8? Well, it still runs. It's still in, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I could speculate, but I don't know. But you will still be able to use the, the current version on iOS 7 devices. However, it's not supported, of course. So they're basically saying, move up to this new version you know, get up to date and be on eight and all those kind of things. But it poses an interesting question because Salesforce has always been about no software. Right. And I think the mobile, this, this whole mobile ecosystem of applications is kind of forcing their hand against that, that mantra, I guess. They're no longer, they, you know, you have to have an app to install. It's not, it's not like they said, Hey, Salesforce is available. It's responsive, which means if you run it on your phone, you'll get this UI. And if you run it on this, you'll get this UI. No, they're actually having to provide a native app on the device on your chosen device sure. to, be able to run it, which means now they're into the installed software business. Well, I mean, okay. So the whole no software little service mark or whatever that is, I mean, that, that was, you know, that was never, that never would withstood the, the test of, of logic or any analysis. I mean, no, so, but I think it speaks, really, it speaks to the original no, intent of the idea behind Salesforce being this cloud-based, service-based application that you didn't have to install. It was, it was instantly available globally. Well, so it, it changed to me, no, you know, no software except for cloud software. And then it became <clears throat> no software except for software that Salesforce provides, whether it may be cloud or installed or whatever. That's what it means. <laughs> no software, asterisk, unless provided by Salesforce. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think... Do you think all these mobile applications is a natural progression of the tool or do you think it's changing them to have to become a installable software type company? Well, I th- actually, I think it's more of an indication of how 
the World Wide Web is starting to take a backseat. It's no longer where things, you know, where innovation is happening. Is that a good thing? I don't know that it's good or bad. It just is a thing. Yeah. I mean, some of the problems that we had previously with installable software is not only just the distribution, but the nuance of having installed on machines, especially Windows, where it was all running on different hardware and you had all these different things happening that affected your software, whether it be a driver or DLL hell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, That doesn't seem to be an issue with mobile, especially with, you know, Apple having so much control over what you can and can't do on their, on their OSs. And I'm not sure since I don't have an Android, you know, what that ecosystem is like in terms of, you know, supporting applications being installed in all those different devices. Um, And notice I didn't say that the internet was dying. It's the World Wide Web, right? So. You sound so old when you say that. I know. When you say World Wide Web. I remember. (laughs) Did you ever use like Gopher and. Veronica, these services that no. are in front now. <laughs> You're so old. I haven't even heard of this. Yeah, that was, you know, early, mid-90s, I guess. Um, yeah, no, so the internet's still very strong, right? So one thing that makes apps work so well now, and mobile apps work so well now, is they're distributed over the internet. So that you don't get that, you know, you don't, there's no physical media. It's, you know, updates are generally transparent. It's delivered to you wirelessly. So it's it's has the feel and the reach of the internet. Right, but it has the the God. It's the reach versus you know richness versus reach, reach versus rich. That was that was from the old uh, the old uh, what they call it the rich rich internet RIAs rich internet applications. Oh yeah, it's rich versus reach. <laughs> <laughs> so but you it kind of you is. Don't, you don't right? see it as a problem. You just see it as a natural evolution of of technology. No, it's like so the internet gave us reach. Right. But we lost rich, right? I mean, original web pages and web apps were just very crusty. Right. Now, web apps have gotten, I mean, with, you know, the CSS where it is and, and the functionality that, that, and power that computers have now. I mean, web apps are much richer, but they're still, they still can't hold a candle to native apps, even if it's a mobile native app. And, yeah, and not that in Salesforce apps, Salesforce apps aren't even, I don't think they're native, right? They're, they're hybrid apps, right? They're... Yeah, there's a native container that yeah. hosts a browser that, right. that your stuff actually runs in. And I'm not sure about, is that the case with um, analytics, Wave, whatever it's called? Yeah, I think it's all built on the same technology. Okay. And I, I'm still, that, in fact, that was one of the homework items that I didn't get to, which is I wanted to mess around with the Apple, um, with the Salesforce watch <laughs> WebKit. Do your homework, John. Oh, you, no one can see me giving you the, the thousand <laughs> dagger stare. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's the next thing I want to get into is just kind of play around with that and see what it takes. I do have a watch and I do need to justify it on my expense. So <laughs> you have to write <laughs> on at my least business one app expense. I need yeah. to write at least one app for it. So, <laughs> you know, in case the IRS comes and ask about that, that expense, you can say, hey, look, I wrote this app. Yeah. But sir, all it does is say John is cool. Don't steal my idea, but I think I want a Flappy Bird clone on it. You know, to sit here. There you go. Maybe they'll get rich off that. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's get to the 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 big news. Well, I guess it's big news. I mean, we said we weren't going to talk about it anymore unless we had a name. Now we have a name. That's uh, at least every news outlet is saying this: that it was Microsoft that put the bid out. They did, and again, this is all. I thought we talked about this. No, no, we didn't talk about this portion of it. This portion of it is that Microsoft did make a bid 
they bid around the 50, well, 55 million. Well, they were talking. Million. They didn't, there was no. No, I mean, now, now we have people saying that, that the numbers came out, that, yep. that they bid about 55 million. Billion. And ben, billion. And Benioff came back and said. 70, right? 70. We talked about this last week. But that's fine. We can, uh, we can follow, we can do some follow up here. <laughs> I thought we talked about it. Maybe we didn't. I don't think we did. Yeah. Benny, I was just like, no, I want 70 billion. I don't think he wanted to sell. I, I mean, think you saw though. this last week and thought we talked about it. Maybe Cause it I think be. a lot of this is just stuff that came out Friday. Yeah. Um, that I've been reading right. about. Well, we'll do some follow up next week. And if I'm right, then you'll owe me lunch. How's that bet? What do I get? Lunch. If you're, if I'm right. right, if you're right, we're going to three forks. <laughs> I don't want a steak. <laughs> I have a pretty good happy hour deal. Yeah, no. No, you're not yeah. getting up anything. Yeah, I know. There's one, too. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I said, yeah, I know. I just said no, it really fast. I don't know. I think you ran them together too much. I think that was an officially a, a yeah, no. <laughs> so anyways, the, the uh, Benioff came back with a counteroffer. Of course, it wasn't accepted because it's not... There's, there's just no way to make the numbers work at $70 billion. But uh, to me, I think it was just a... Benioff kind of rejecting the offer by saying, so throwing some, some big number out there, you know, you, you don't really want to do it, but if someone's offering, you don't want to just say no. So you just say, okay, if you're going to pay me stupid money, sure, yeah. I'll do it. Well, assuming we didn't talk about this last week, I think it's really interesting if Microsoft did actually make a $55 billion, you know, bid. We did talk about that. Okay. We did talk about what it might be like if Microsoft did buy them and what that would mean in terms no, of dynamics I'm, and all those kind of things. I'm saying now that we know that there was a bid and it's $55 billion, or that's the anyway what the rumor is. I don't know if anyone's actually confirmed that, but that's what everyone's saying. I think it's really interesting that a company was willing to buy Salesforce for $55 billion. Yeah. I because mean, of, again, because of their, you know, the lack of profitability. So they've got, they've, they've got really strong growth. But it it would be this would be like a first time ever where a company this big that's still unprofitable, which in and of itself is actually rare for a company to be that size and not be profitable, to be purchased at a at a premium. Um, I, I think that's actually a positive. You can I think that I'm trying to, you know there's a positive spin to that, which is even though Salesforce has no earnings, there's no basically no PE to speak of. They're still viewed as from other tech giants as being worth. You know, fifty-five billion dollars. That means that their their technology, their organization, their culture, whatever it is, you know, is is actually you know that valuable, right? And if they can, I mean, imagine what's going to happen to their stock when they. Uh, of course, they're already really highly valued. They're trading at like you know, a fourteen times sales, forty times revenue, and some yeah. ridiculous amount times you know cash flow and all that kind of stuff. So, but I mean, imagine when they do become profitable, um, that will. I think, I don't know, that'd be a huge boost, but, but, you know, as it is, the fact that they got a $55 billion bid is, I think says a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I I read a few things out there and one of the things that stood out to me was that it was an article from the dynamics perspective, from the, from that perspective, and that a buyout from Microsoft wasn't necessarily about replacing dynamics. It was about the inheriting the idea of Salesforce, you know, it's, it's kind of stance in the community, the market share of it, the popularity of it, the kind of, you know, all of that that comes with it. It wasn't, wasn't necessarily, Hey, dynamics isn't doing that. Well, we we don't really, we think we need something different or to switch directions here. It was more of just kind of grabbing that market share and grabbing some of the attention 
um, that comes with Salesforce. Yeah. Well, I think it's so it's 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 a, it's a strategic, not so much a financial kind of purchase. It's not like purchase being done because we think, oh, hey, this is instantly going to make us this much more money. It was a it's it would be a strategic buy. Yeah. And right now, you know, the Microsoft CEO, I, I can never remember his name. Net, Satya Satya Adela. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he, he's he's been doing really great. He's been doing really great things. He's got. You know, the market excited about some of the things he's been doing. Um, Fortune published an article. Um, I think it was some research group, Jupiter, I think is the research group. And he posted that um, he was rated the top um, industry leaders. And I guess that research is based on what they, who's going to be the most exciting, who's going to kind of drive the industry in the next year or so, the next 12 months. Um, and so he was at the top of it, um, even beating, um, Apple's chief design officer, I believe. Well, he's he's now. Um, you mean segue? Johnny Ive just Sir got Ives. got uh, promoted. I guess you call it to chief design officer. That's got to be a new title anywhere, right? Well, did he actually change positions in the org? Like, does he have a new boss? You know, does he? Re- he I, I think he, that was just a title change. Well, yeah, I think. I mean, he's always kind of he already transitioned to the role of controlling all of design across all of Apple's products, but I guess this is a new position and I'm yeah. sure it comes with, you know, it's, it's share of new perks. Did he not already report to the CEO or did he report through someone else? I think he reported to CEO. I'm not sure what benefit is just a passing comment yeah. or something that happened recently. So since we were talking about Microsoft and Salesforce, I've found, um, this was published in Forbes actually, but it's actually growth numbers of all these different CRM systems. And we've, we've talked about before, you know, how, how is, how does Microsoft CRM do just in the marketplace compared to Salesforce? And this is, I think 2014 numbers, but so, uh, Salesforce, this is, this is, uh, what is this software spending? So this is basically market share. Salesforce is biggest with 18% and Microsoft is only 6%. But guess who's right behind Salesforce? Siebel? SAP. Oh. Um, a whole 50% of the market is other. Can you believe that? That's how many small CRMs there are. Okay. Um, Salesforce's growth last year was 28%. Now, this is a, kind of interesting to me. Microsoft was num- had the number two growth, and they were at 22%. So even though they're a lot smaller than Salesforce, they're, you know, they're at their heels. They're growing fast. Just right. like Salesforce is. And I think Microsoft has probably more growth potential at this point than Salesforce does because Salesforce is, I mean, I don't want to say they reached saturation because they haven't. I mean, they've only got 18% market share. But at some point, you know, you convert the ones who are willing to be converted and then it starts getting difficult. Right. Right. So. Well, I think the others are, where they probably have a lot more competition is in the mid-size market. In fact, I think um, Business Insider has a chart kind of illustrating that. They show the the enterprise software map, and they show Salesforce, you know, at the top, SAP and Microsoft down at the bottom, um, below, below the median line. And then when it comes to mid-size market, um, Salesforce and Dynamics are much closer hmm. in that diagram. Interesting. Uh, and then when it comes to small, it's it's a clouded space. 
Um, all right. So I have this. This is a Forbes article. And uh, it's it's actually got a couple of interesting pieces of information. But the thing that jumped out at me the most was just a huge glaring error. And, you know, I've been critical of Forbes before. And, and I've now got a sound clip we can play every time we talk about Forbes. Any monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. <laughs> Oh. All right, so uh, okay, it's talking about it's really coverage of Salesforce's World Tour 2015. So they were in London, I think it was last week. Yep. And so, okay, so it says, you know, how many times can technology firms mention awesome innovation around the customer experience journey these days? And the answer is really a lot. Right, this guy. Uh, so they kicked off with all their, you know, typical uh, terminology, and then uh, Benioff turns it over to Keith Block. Um, yeah, it turns over to Keith Block for the event, which featured keynote slickness and superfluous adjectives aplenty. <laughs> but it did have a real developer zone. So apparently the developer zone was pretty cool. You ever been to a developer zone? Uh, I think I was there for maybe the first or second year they started doing developer zone. It was pretty nice. Was that Dreamforce? Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Had a lot of things going on. They even had some video games there if you wanted to hang out and you're kind of geeky and nerdy like me. Right. Just wanted to kill some time. Yeah. They were busy. They were busy. The developer zone? <laughs> The arcade, <laughs> the small little arcade they had there with games. That, yeah. yeah. Everyone had to put their quarter on the screen. Okay. So, so how do I not say that word? Salesforce has been pioneering a new technology model <laughs> based on shared infrastructure, instant scalability and continuous improvement, which basically is cloud computing. According to this guy, uh, the company insists that it's using its model. Uh, oh, that using its model, more than 3 million customer applications have been built to solve what are called out as specific business application needs. 3 million applications have been built. Something, okay, either. And they're referring to the app exchange, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he got this, whoever wrote this, well, got confused because then the, it was recent news, Salesforce press released that 3 million there have been 3 million installs, installations right. of AppExchange applications. There are only 2,700 apps in the AppExchange. But I think this guy just got very confused by that. Either that or he's talking about, I mean, how many customers does Salesforce have? Does he mean that basically anytime someone deploys Salesforce, that is a new custom application? No, that wouldn't. That wouldn't. I mean, I could see how you could make that argument, right? It's a weak argument. I mean, it's, I, I, I agree, but it's an argument. You could. It, I agree. It sounds like like he took the number, ran with it, assumed it was downloads. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, listings. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, do we really need three three million custom applications on Salesforce? No, didn't, didn't we the, don't. Didn't the first million get it right? <laughs> the answer is we don't. And there's there's plenty on there that needs to kind of. Salesforce sees this huge number as a statement to the way applications can be finessed for individual use cases. Finessed. <laughs> uh, often by, often not by fully-fledged software application developers, but by what we call citizen non-developers, i.e. business people. But those are now developers. This guy needs to get on, on board. Is he trying to make the argument that we have so many apps because just the Joe Blow VP decided, hey, I'm going to customize Salesforce and put it on the app exchange? I don't know. Because that's not how it happens. Yeah. Um, but then they, so they had a guest that started talking about COBOL and supposedly, supposedly Keith 
Block almost fell out of his chair. Um, because it's a legacy technology. And <laughs> Scott says it's almost as the, if the firm has learned this or learned by road, the stance to automatically knock anything that we might be able uh, might label legacy technology. Um, which reminded me, do you remember how much uh, Benioff used to like um, totally rag on Java? That was his thing for like a year or two. He was, he would, I mean, it, it's like, you know, that's what became SAP to him. It used to be Java. And I don't know if that was shortly after Oracle had bought Java, but he would just rag on it and how it's a, it's a legacy technology. And, and um, there was some competitor of theirs that was built on Java and he just, you know, he was making fun of it. Are you sure it was Java? Oh though? yeah. He was, I got to, I'll have to pull some clips or something. It was totally Java. Salesforce is no, built on Java. And, and that's, a, and that's what I would always say. I'm like, does he, you know, surely someone can pull him aside and say, oh, excuse me, Mr. Benioff. I think um, he knows. I think it just means as a, as a argument for apex. Oh, still someone should say, you know what? Probably shouldn't rag on Java because we're built on it. And apex is, but that's like saying you can't rag on rag on assembly because everything's built on assembly. I mean, you, you, you can rag on it because it's a lower level language and, and he's trying to play how Apex is a higher level language and you can get more done with it without having to worry about all the, the nuances. Yeah, of being I mean, basically level. it's not on Mark's approved list of cloud technologies, which basically is force.com, right? Um, that's okay. So then I saw Keith Block. Is this Keith Block or Ken Block? It's Keith, right? Uh, he referenced a customer he spoke to recently in financial service who said that 90% of their annual expenditure was devoted, devoted to maintaining existing legacy systems, while only 10%, a paltry 10%, 10% was spent on innovation, i.e. developing new customer engagement channels using cloud. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. And that's what Salesforce counts as innovation. Um, the 90-10 structure, according to Keith, is essentially bad, and firms need to focus on front-end service-based differentiators that are revenue builders and not just back-end infrastructure. Is he trying to... I don't understand what he's trying to argue there. So here's what he's saying. Here's what Salesforce is trying to say. It's not no software. And we just talked about this. I'm glad. This is weird. We were just talking about this. It's not no software. It's cloud software only. Or to go deeper, according to this guy, it's no leg legacy software, please. Let's have cloud software only. Um, yeah. Although, to be fair, Salesforce does recognize that many of legacy system of, systems of record of old have a good place to stay for now, and, the, and rip and release of legacy would be foolish. Um, instead, we're supposed to move from, and I've heard Benioff say this, and it cracks me up, systems of record, we need to move from systems of record to systems of engagement, and onward to systems of intelligence. Sounds great. No idea what it means. Yeah, I mean, I, I could. I, I like the idea of it. It sounds great. It does sound great. I don't know what it means, though. It means spend more money on Salesforce. <laughs> yes, that's that's the only thing you can for sure say about Buy it. Buy a lot more storage and stick it all up there. And then they, then they, I guess they're spending a lot of time talking about a community cloud. Do you know that that's one of the new clouds, right? Community cloud. And this guy's like, what on earth is a community cloud? That's what he says. <laughs> um, I think he's being a little too literal just for the but, sake of so here's a taking quote, a jab. A quote from a Salesforce person. Uh, Communities have become the connective tissue linking customers, partners, and employees to companies and each other. And, uh, you know, that... God, I'm smacking my lips. 
that can only it can only be said by the company that uh, claims that a set of tabs across the top of your browser is an application. <laughs> they call that an application, an app. Now, what a, what a community cloud actually is is a set of cloud software designed to feed business specific intercommunication functions to individuals with intelligence. The intelligence here relates to logic, including targeted recommendations, which use algorithms to analyze both structured and unstructured data to deliver the most con- most relevant content to workers, including posts, resources, files, and groups. Do you want me to translate that for you? It's a limited part of... S- <laughs> See, there you go. I'm on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> How is this happening? And, it, and guess who it is? Shell. Shell. <laughs> Shell, I know you're yeah. listening. You interrupted the podcast. Should we jack him in? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Sounded good, though. No, communities is, it's basically like a limited function of Salesforce. So you can have, you can still have, you know, I don't know, there's people and you have, you know, some standard objects. You can have custom objects with, with custom tabs, standard Salesforce stuff with chatter. That chatter. That's what they're talking about when they're talking about the intelligence using targeted recommendations with algorithms. They're talking about chatter. And you know what the number one feature or number one request I have, because I've done a significant amount of some communities work, number one feature or you know, request I get is how do we either turn off chatter completely or the other one that was interesting is how do we turn off chatters, chatter for some users or some profiles, which you can do now. That's a new thing, like as, I don't know, as of about six months ago. So he, he's expecting Chatter to be much more intelligent. No, he's saying it is. Um, here's another the quote from Salesforce. The, the new feature identifies experts by understanding the quality of a user's contributions, number, but, of, number, but you, number of upvotes well, and likes. Well, hold on, hold on. Are you assuming that he's talking about Chatter? Because they do have, I mean, with... No, I'm, tra- I'm translating this for you. That's what they're talking about is Chatter. When Salesforce talks about the intelligence and the targeted recommendations and algorithms and understanding the quality of a user's contribution. That's chatter. And the number of likes they get, it's all tied into chatter. How's that not chatter? Because chatter is just a, the communication mechanism between, between you and the other person, but the actual tools that all that's going into, like the Radiant six and all that kind of stuff is doing all the intelligence. That's not what he's talking about. No, 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 that's, that's external. That's the cloud. No, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. That's marketing cloud. We're talking about community cloud. No, uh, I'm telling you what they're talking about is chatter. What about desk? I don't know. Is that service cloud? Desk is, part, ser- of the cloud? is that part of service cloud now? Yeah. That's not the desk cloud. I thought service cloud was uh Well, desk is geared towards small business, yeah. I believe, not enterprise, but right. I'm really confused because I, I I believe and I want to say that Salesforce has all these social media tools and everything that they've purchased and acquired and integrated with Salesforce that does all of this that this, he's saying. This stuff and is it's all not con- this stuff is all confusing and Salesforce doesn't, doesn't help because when they spin this stuff, they had all, you know, all these super creative descriptions of things and people end up not knowing what they're talking about. No yeah, one you get understands. everything lumped into this one cloud that it consists of all these different technologies and you're not really sure what you're getting, what you have to implement, right. what you have to license for, right. all of those different things. I mean, for a year, no one understood or could agree on what lightning meant and it's still, it still is confused. People, you ask 10 people what lightning is and you're going to get 10 different answers. Yeah. Wave is a little bit more coherent, I think. Uh, but anyway, that's some other stuff, but he just closes it up with, uh, this is an interesting event with more lasers, smoke, and keynote rock music than London is probably used to. <laughs> Salesforce. It's a, They're a marketing a, machine. Oh, they man. are. And it's a part, part of the party culture and the, 
I mean, they spend again half of their half of their revenue on market sales and marketing. I will tell you, if you go to any of these sales events, you will have a good time and you will leave feeling really good. <laughs> is there free alcohol? There is. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> anyway, let me uh, let me close the door on that one. Any monkey with with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. There we go. Well done, sir. I think we talked that one to death. Yep. Um, so last week, um, we had just got the quarterly results from Salesforce. And um, I think we wanted to do some follow-up on that as well. We'd read some of it. Um, the numbers were positive, and it's boosting the stock right now. So Salesforce is actually on a really nice ride right now because they had the boost from the acquisition rumors. <laughs> that was the biggest boost, <laughs> just the rumors. It, yeah, it, it's like, um, I don't know. It's, it's like Mario Kart. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why Mario Kart's in my brain, but it's it's a you you're racing. You get this uh, this power up that lets you kind of do boost, but you don't boost until you get the the little arrows that gives you a, a boost on the road, and then you hit the booster again after that. So you're double boosted, and you're flying. You know you're you're make you're gonna win. You lost me. The finish line. I don't even know what Mario Kart is. <laughs> I don't know why that was on my brain, but anyways, yeah. I mean, they got they got kind of double the boost there they got the boost from from the rumors and then the boost from the positive numbers or at least how they presented them and i think you have some insight into that do i was i supposed to be you make it sound like i'm supposed to be prepared for something here your clip oh oh yeah okay so i completely forgot about that so they okay so they had a as as i think most of these companies do public companies that have uh, quarterly results that they publish publicly, they have a conference call. And this is, you know, these conference calls are when uh, the company communicates to the, pretty much the investment community how they did. And it's usually they'll, re- I think they release the the actual document, like either right before the, I think right before the call. And then they have this call. And these things can, you know, they tend to go on and on and on. In fact, this one was about an hour long. So I thought I would do the service of, you know, compressing this down so that people... I was going to say, I hope you compressed it because yeah. I don't know if I want to see it for an hour listening can, to a I conference I compressed call. it down and I, you know, I wanted to highlight what the themes, because there's, you know, there's always themes to these calls. And there was a few themes to this one. I think, I think you'll probably be able to tell what they are. So, uh, so yeah. So, we ready for that now? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for everyone for uh, joining us on the call today. Deferred revenue grew more than... $3 billion deferred revenue. Looking at deferred revenue, deferred revenue grew 36%. Deferred revenue benefited. However, for deferred revenue, drove a slight sequential tailwind. I'm sensing the a theme. Revenue. And deferred <laughs> revenue growth, uh, deferred revenue. And As a reminder, our commentary today will primarily be in non-GAAP terms. Non-GAAP, non-GAAP, non-GAAP terms. Non-GAAP, non-GAAP. Non-GAAP operating margin. Non-GAAP EPS. Full-year non-GAAP EPS. Non-GAAP operating margin, non-GAAP EPS. I wonder if non-GAAP is important. Rate, while we continue to deliver our non-GAAP operating margin expansion commitment. Uh, in this quarter, we uh, surpassed the $6 billion annual revenue run rate. $6 billion Ooh. annual revenue run rate. So on the way times. to being the fastest to reach he tried. $10 billion, <laughs> which is our dream. The fastest enterprise software company to deliver $10 billion. Fastest software company ever to $10 billion. $10 billion revenue run rate goal of 10 billion in revenue what does mark see after 10 billion that's why gartner 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 data you know we keep getting accolades from gartner gartner has ranked salesforce as the worldwide market share leader has been ranked by gartner as 
is SAP. Go past uh, SAP. Uh, SAP and SAP, going after SAP and past. They're the only innovation SAP has is in rhetoric. They should try writing some software. While Oracle and SAP, Ouch. Ouch. Service Cloud displaced SAP in the quarter. Sorry about that, SAP. Legacy technology from Oracle. You know, if you were paying attention to SAP as an SAP customer, she hopes to see an SAP implementation. Thanks so much. And this does conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Wow. So, so the, me, the main theme we can take from that is deferred revenue, non-GAAP, SAP should go back to writing software. <laughs> they should try writing some software. Yeah. No, the, the, so, I mean, that was just for fun. It was a funny thing. But the, the, my takeaway from that is the SAP. Because I've noticed yeah. um, in interviews and things, they've been talking about SAP more, but they mentioned SAP. Actually, the, the analyst community has started to notice, or the, the tech analyst community. So in our article today where they talked about that they had like 27 jabs at SAP in that conference call. Wow. So there's, and I think SAP is the next largest software company in Salesforce. So that's, you know, they've, that's where they've got their eyes set. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're going to start attacking the big dog, right? But, but what is the saying about, you know, a company that, that constantly mentions their competitor? Isn't that always considered like a sign of weakness? They, I mean, there's, there's plenty of CRMs that are doing it to Salesforce, and we always kind of knock them for it. Now Salesforce is doing it to SAP, right, why would you and we kind of your... have to be fair and knock Salesforce for it. I mean, why is Mark advertising SAP constantly? I mean, the whole management team was that was the CEO, the, the president, uh, the CFO, and they're just all constantly talking about SAP. Yeah, but SAP is constantly talking about Salesforce too. Not not as much. At least I don't think so. I mean, I mean, they're getting asked about Salesforce. They getting, get asked, you right? Know. But no one was asking Salesforce about SAP in this call. No, but I mean, the, I don't even know his name. The SAP CEO. I mean, it wasn't like he said, "Oh, yeah, whatever, move on to the next topic." No, he had some very choice words about. And they only buy what valuable companies. Today. Yeah, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. So obviously, there's something there. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's that's you know that's the next battle we're gonna have. I mean, the, SAP. SAP knows that that Salesforce is nipping at their heels, and and SAP has interest in making sure that doesn't happen. And Salesforce wants to be the biggest and topple that. We need to create uh, Dreamforce Keynote Bingo cards, and SAP is going to be one of the spots on it. What are you ten? No, it's the it's a bingo game, you know. Bingo game, man. You should, uh, drinking game, man. <laughs> Every time someone mentions SAP, we'll just take a, a no, drink. No, it's, it's much more complicated than that. We have a lot more buzzwords and phrases we have to keep track of than just one. Oh, I was <laughs> hoping we get drunk. It's not that simple, John. <laughs> I was hoping we bring back the the what you bring to drink segment of our show. Yeah, that's people have asked for it. <laughs> I don't know why. We still don't have any whiskey in here. Got to got to get on that. Yeah. No beverages. No beverages. That's all I got. Yep. Uh, it's kind of a, like you said, kind of a slow week. Slow uh, week. Summer, whatever's going to be released soon. Summer 15, right? Um, I have a spider dangling in front of my. Yeah, ear. it's actually been crawling on a computer. It's been distracting me. <laughs> I still wasn't sure if I was going to say anything because I was, I, I probably should have because I thought you might freak out and scream, but didn't happen. Yeah, what is, when is summer 15? Next couple of weeks? I think so. There's a, I saw an email for a webinar for, um, which I usually do maybe a couple of weeks before the release, kind of a, a readiness review. But yeah, it should be coming up soon. Yeah, this new trust, I don't know how to use. Um, yeah, we never talked about that. No, I mean, we didn't. People are ir- irritated with it because they made it really hard to see uh, the, all, the, all the deployment dates across 
what are they called? Pods, I guess. All right. Um, for when a new release comes out. I, I can't even find one date. Where are the dates? I just find the entire thing unusable because it's all that solid green. And then you get little little pieces of yellow here and there for the the outages or the slow performance. It just doesn't seem very usable to me. It doesn't seem very user-friendly to me. Where, where are the rollout dates on this new trust? Uh, I have no idea. I can't find them. I can't find them either. You're not supposed to. Well, that was a good upgrade, Salesforce. Thanks. <laughs> there's already an idea that you, there's a bunch of ideas you can go vote up to like get, bring, up, bring back the old trust or like at least to make it easy to, easier to see the dates. Yeah, I don't know that I want to go backwards, but uh, I, don't think, I don't see how this got approved as being the, the next evolution of the trust site. It's definitely less transparent. Yes. Can't trust the trust. No. And to that, I say, good day, sir. Good day, sir. So, so. Sarah, the only innovation SAP has is in rhetoric. They should try writing some software. Ring my bell. Ring my bell. My bell. Ring, ring, ring. Good day, sir. That sucked.